the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And it says in Hebrews 12 that one day God is going to shake things up, that he's going to basically destroy everything that we have in this world. This world, as we know, it, will one day be destroyed. But for those of us who are saved, he's going to give us a kingdom that will never be shaken, which means that one day we're going to get to go to heaven and we will live forever and ever and ever in the kingdom of God. He is an eternal God. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Pastor Dudley is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses in the greater Los Angeles area at Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. We'll be joining Pastor Dudley in just a moment. But first, we want you to know this program is called Lift Up Jesus because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life-changing truth of the gospel. And we do this every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. here on KKLA. No matter where you're listening from right now, in your car or your home or at work, you're about to hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. We believe there is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. We thank you again for joining us tonight. We know you're going to be enriched and encouraged by tonight's program. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message from God's Word. I want to show you kind of the master schedule of this series. We've looked at the church, and we've looked at it scripturally. We've looked at it sacrificially. We've looked at it as the place where we serve and use our gifts. And today we begin a two-week window on this is the place where we gather corporately for the purpose of worshiping, singing songs of praise to our Heavenly Father. The Bible talks a lot about worship. In fact, if you read through your Bible and just mark all the uh, times where you see worship, you will discover that God created us, placed us on this earth, and one of the things that He desires is for us as His creation is to worship Him as the Creator. I had my research assistant, Kyle Welch. I said, Kyle, I want you to do a little study and give me a list of all the places in the Bible where people worshiped. And my question that I want to ask as I read through the list is when? Not, not necessarily why, but when did people worship? And the answer was every imaginable moment. People worshiped when they understood God's plan. They worshiped when they didn't understand God's plan. They worshiped God when they had plenty. They worshiped God when they lost everything. People worshiped God when things were good, and they worshiped God when things were bad. 
you'll see at the top there a verse from Psalm 145 verse 2 that says, every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Worship is not something you should be doing just on Sunday at church. You should be worshiping the Lord each and every day. I want you to look at Hebrews 12. I want to just look at a couple of verses, verse 28 and 29. It says, therefore, since we are receiving, we're receiving, I'll talk about that in just a moment, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably, which tells me there's a way to worship God that's unacceptable, with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, in this little text, I find three things, three elements of authentic worship. Number one, we should be honoring God in gratitude. I see that in this verse. Let us be thankful and so worship God. One of the largest elements of worship is just gratitude. Worship is praise. You're praising the one that you're thankful for. I want you to write this down, these three things. He's a giving God, he's an eternal God, and he's a saving God. And I see all three of those in this text. For example, it says, since we are receiving, if we are receiving something, it means that God is giving. If God wasn't giving, we wouldn't be receiving. And we've talked about this in recent weeks, so I don't need to go over it again. But the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. God is a giving God. Everything that we have comes from Him. Our homes, our families, our spouse, our children, uh, our well-being, our heart, our nation, our Bibles, the Holy Spirit, the food that we eat, the air that we breathe, the salvation that we have experienced. Everything we have comes from God. God is a giving God. And so if we are receiving, it means that there's something in the nature of God that he, that he's a giving God. And what is it that we're receiving? The Bible says there, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And oh, I wish I had time. My heart is heartbroken that I don't have time to go into all this. But I want you to read sometime this week, read all of chapter 12, because it leads up to this kingdom that is unshakable. And it says in Hebrews 12 that one day God is going to shake things up, that he's going to basically destroy everything that we have in this world. This world, as we know, will one day be destroyed. But for those of us who are saved, he's going to give us a kingdom that will never be shaken, which means that it will never be destroyed, which means that one day we're going to get to go to heaven and we will live forever and ever and ever in the kingdom of God. He is an eternal God. And the only people that are going to experience that, of course, are those who've been saved uh, by their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see in this text that God is a giving God, an eternal God, and a saving God, now, with all that in mind, as you, as you begin to think about God and, his, and who He is, you can't help but come to church to praise Him. Yeah. 
You can't help but come to church and thank him. You can't help but come to church and magnify him. You can't help but come to church and exalt him. You can't help but get here and worship him. I mean, in one, in one degree, if, if you understood that God is a giving God, that he's an eternal God, that he's a saving God, it wouldn't matter what we did. We couldn't stop you from coming here week after week to just offer up your praise to him. Number two, number two, we need to honor him in reverence and in awe. That's what verse 28 says. It says, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. There is something in your heart that when you think of God, you should be awestruck. All right? And I think when you see God, that there should be raw, what I call raw emotions that just come out of you. It's almost like you can't help yourself because you see God as he truly is. It's raw emotion. It's not scripted. I don't think worship can be scripted like stand up, sit down, sing verse one, sing verse two, sing verse three, shout, 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 pray, 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 clap, clap, clap. It can't be scripted. It's you come in here and you're just going to be thankful. And when you see God, it just, it almost overwhelms you. And I think there's all different kinds of styles and forms of worship. And that's why, uh, you know, uh, people in Africa express uh, their worship different than people in Alaska. And people who live in India will express, uh, have different expressions of worship than people who live in Indiana. And people in Thailand have different expressions of worship than people who live in Texas. And people in Chile have different expressions of worship than perhaps than people who live in California. Let me give you just a few expressions of worship that just come out of people when they see God. Number one is a laughing mouth. Laughing is a form of worship. Do a Hebrew word uh, search on laughter. And the word itself comes, the root means to sing praises to God. I want you to look at Psalm 126. Psalm 126, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says that when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. Now, Zion is Jerusalem. And so this is the people that had been in bondage. And when the Lord brought them back from from captivity to Jerusalem, it says we were like men who dreamed. And verse 2 says, here it is, our mouths were filled with what? As we thought about all that God had done for us, we couldn't help but laugh. It's a natural response to what God has done in your life. And what I want you to know is that all of us, to a degree, we're all guilty. We've all sinned. Sin equals death. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. All of us, we, should, we were men condemned to die because of our sin. And God, out of his great mercy and his love, we weren't even expecting it. At the last moment, we didn't even realize it was happening. God sent Jesus to die. So in a sense... Every single one of us, ought to, we should have been laughing, coming, God, you forgave me all, all, all the stuff I've done, God, and you still love me. A laughing mouth. Number two, a singing mouth. Psalm 47, verse 6. You know, Christians, you should not, we should not be cursing. 
God didn't give you this mouth to curse, right? He didn't give you that mouth to gossip or to slander, to backbite, to be negative or critical. Psalm 47, this says, I love this verse, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises four times. Four times in one verse, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises. In one verse, four times, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises. You kind of get the idea that maybe God wants us to sing praises. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to sing on key. You just should be making a joyful noise. And when you come to church, if the person next to you is putting cotton in their ear going, oh man, that brother cannot, that brother cannot sing, oh he cannot sing, you just keep singing anyway, amen? Just sing away. I got to go through this real fast. A bent knee, a bent knee, uh, Psalm 95, come let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. There's coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Number four, standing in awe. Will you say standing or kneeling? Which is it? It's whatever you want. It's all good. Say it's all good. It's not the position of your body. It's the position of your heart that matters. Number five, you're clapping hands. Clapping hands. If you have hands, you ought to be clapping. See, I, I can't play the piano. You can't play the piano. I'd love to play the Wouldn't that be fun to play the harp? <laughs> can't play the guitar, the flute, trumpet. Oh, man. God gave me these two instruments right there. Can you clap? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Bible says... In Psalm 47, verse 1, clap your hands, all ye nations. Imagine all the nations of the world that are fighting one another, that are murdering one another, that are at war with one another. Instead of taking each other's lives, imagine if we were using our hands to worship the Creator God of the universe. How better our planet would be today. We come to church as the God of the universe, the King of the universe. He's holy, 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 the Lord of all. He demands and deserves our greatest applause. God does. Oh, 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 oh. Number six, playing instruments. I love our band. Psalm 33, true. I gave you the wrong reference in the outline. Psalm 33, verse 2. Praise the Lord with heart. Make music to Him on the ten-stringed instrument. Psalm 150 has the trumpet, the harp, the tambourine, the strings, the flutes, the clash of the cymbals. Number seven is a shouting voice. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst. I love there's that. There's that spontaneous, uh, you know, flow of just it's just it just you can't help yourself you just burst out into jubilant song number eight is uplifted hands psalm 134 verse 2 lift up your hands in the what not while you're driving (laughs) lift up your hands in the sanctuary and you know that means it's an expression of gratitude it also means i surrender i give up I'm yours. It also means I love you. And I just want you to know, do you think God knows when we, when we do this? Because you, be, you could be saying thank you. You could be saying, Lord, I'm yours. And you could be saying, Lord, I love you. 
Don't you think he knows which one you, when you do that, he knows which one, he knows which one's in your mind. And what do you think God thinks when he looks here and he sees you doing this to him? What do you think God thinks when he sees you doing that? Do you think it pleases him? Yes, it does. Colossians 3 says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's the problem. See, this is, our, this, this is our problem right here. The Bible says that you're supposed to set your heart and your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And the problem is we're all distracted by earthly things. One of our biggest struggles is we have iPhones and iPads. We have social media. We've got refrigerators. We've got dogs and cats. And we've got to learn how to turn the computer off. We've got to learn how to shut the door of their fridge. Number three, we need to honor God in holiness. Now, it says our God is a consuming fire. What does that mean? Long story short, it means that he's a God of holiness. And there's something about the holiness of God. There's something about the purity of God. There's something about the perfection of God that when you see God as he truly is, you see yourself as you truly are. I had an old Bible college professor who said this once. I want you to write this down. He said that worship is the window through which we see the face of God. That when you come into church and you truly worship God, Take your minds off the things of this world that you begin to see the face of God. And of course, when you see God in his holiness, it makes me want to be holy. When I see God in his purity, it makes me want to live a pure life. Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, of all that God has done for you, to offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. I wonder if when we worship, it makes God smile. Or when we worship, is God thinking, what in the world is that? A simple guideline is to be and to act and to think and to, re- to react to whatever it would take to put a smile on the face of God. To worship him is to please him. To worship him is to please him. But to please him is to worship him with pure hearts, pure hands, pure minds, overflow of gratitude, because we understand that God is a giving God, an eternal God, and a saving God. Psalm 150, verse 6 says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. How many of you are breathing right now? You're breathing right now. How many of you are not breathing? Raise your hand. All right, several, several, several. Okay, a couple over here. Good. Uh, if you're breathing, you should be praising God. You should be praising God. And we are not, we are not to be sitting in the pews watching a few 
Worship is not something that you watch. Worship is something that you do. I went to college many years ago, uh, and I knew this girl named Jane. Her name was spelled J-A-Y-N-E. And Jane was the godliest, most Christ-like woman that I had ever been around. A few weeks ago, I got a phone call that she was uh, battling cancer. They took her in, and her husband was there, and a doctor came in, and here's what the doctor said. He said, Jane, you have inoperable, incurable cancer. said, the cancer that you have, no one has ever been cured of. Nobody. The cancer that you have, no one's ever been cured. You have what we would normally tell someone in your situation right now is you have seven days to live. She lived about 60 days. And one morning at one o'clock in the morning, and I'm telling you, I don't understand. My phone was ringing. I pick it up. It's Jane. So I picked the phone up. I, I, didn't, I, I honestly, I don't even know what to say to her. I, I'm so, so moved by this whole thing. She says to me, she says, Dully. She goes, I hope I'm not calling you too late. I said, yeah, how are you? She goes, oh, you know, you've heard, you know, I know you know what's going on. She goes, you know, she goes, I heard, I heard you had some heart problems. I said, yeah, yeah. She goes, well, when I first heard that, I, I, I thought you were going to uh, see Jesus first. But she goes, I think I'm going to see him first now. She's very competitive. <laughs> and uh, she's telling me the situation, everything. And she goes, and right in the middle, she goes this. She goes, did I ever tell you that I memorized the book of Revelation? Goes, no, you never told me that. I go, how long did that take? It took me two years. She said, I was just going over the whole book in my mind. And I came to chapter 7. And I thought of you because that's your favorite number. Isn't that your favorite number, 7? I go, yes. At 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm listening to a girl who's got a few days left to live. And she's quoting verbatim in the middle of the night, Revelation chapter 7. She died two nights ago. I want to close this message by reading three verses that I heard her say to me before she died. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, every people and language standing before the throne and in the front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You come to the very last verse, verse 17, it says, For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And all God's people said, 
we know that many are living in fear with the current events that are happening in our world. But God's word is here to comfort us in these days of uncertainty. In John 14, 27, Jesus told his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If you are in need of prayer tonight, we have operators standing by and ready for your call. We are here for you and ready to support you with any prayer needs you may have. Call us right now at our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. Please know that we are here for you. We also remind everyone that our online services at Shepherd Church can be seen every weekend, either Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. on our websites, liftupjesus.com and shepherdchurch.com. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us every weeknight at the same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.